Step right up, entrepreneurs and experts. Ready to make the greatest pitches on earth? Taisha Bradley Celebrity Publicists Media Circus Podcast starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, please adjust your AirPods and prepare to be wow. Today's guest is Tabby Dozier, and she knows what it takes to be featured in the media as an Emmy winning and as an Emmy Award winning journalist, diverse content creator, and fearless storyteller. Her words have been have appeared in some of our favorite major publications, including Essence, and she's recently been featured in Forbes. But wait, there's more. As a former news reporter and news anchor for Great Television. She attended the NABJ convention every year, promoting job opportunities and professional development for black men and women in PR, communications, news, leadership, content creation, and other fields. So get ready to take notes, folks, because the one and the only Tabney Dozier is here at the Media Circuits podcast and is ready to share her tips for getting noticed by the media. Welcome, Tabney. Thank you, Queen. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your platform. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you because if you people heard in the intro, listen, you said our favorite words here at Media Circus Podcast, Essence and Forbes. And so I cannot wait to talk to you about those things. But first, I would like to get into uh, a, back, a little bit of background about you. So can you tell us like how you came to uh, be working in the world of communications and journalism? Absolutely. Well, thank you for again for this opportunity. Uh, I am a Lexington, Kentucky native. And, uh, you know, back in the day, right, we used to to watch the news. We used to watch across, scroll across the bottom to see what our school closings were. Right. Man, they got it so good now. I have no idea. I just was really a big fan of information. And I played high school, uh, middle and high school basketball. So in high school, Kentucky, such a huge basketball state. When the news crews came to cover, I was always like, hey, don't forget me. My jersey number was 40. Uh, and so it was just a beautiful opportunity to be able to go to Western Kentucky University, major in broadcast news with a minor in Spanish, uh, and that marvelous university has an entire school of journalism and broadcasting. So getting experience with the school uh, produced radio station, the school produced TV news cast, um, writing for print. You know, I was exposed to so much. It led me know, uh, led me to really know that storytelling and, and, and keeping people safe and giving facts is what I wanted to do. Nice. That is amazing. I love that. And I'm here in Tennessee. And so, you know, we have a lot of Kentucky spillover (laughs) into Tennessee. So that is awesome. Um, So what publications or media outlets are you uh, currently working with, writing for? Like, what are you up to? Give us the tea. (laughs) Yes. Well, you're so uh, so right in terms of essence. I freelance. I have a, a couple of pieces pinned. Uh, with what is that? One of the oldest Black-owned media companies, right? For us, by us, yes. specifically for Black women, uh, and so that is for the national realm. But now that I have launched my own media company, uh, corporations, brands, people can hire me to write on their platforms. Whether it's for social media, whether they want it for their website, they may want to highlight a staff member. A new product is being released. You know, what I recognized in my almost uh, 12 years in local news is, you know, 
local news stations can't get to it all, can't cover it all, doesn't have room for it all. So now here's another outlet to utilize my journalistic expertise and, you know, write these stories for these brands. And so my slogan is, it's your story, your way. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but what is the name of your corporation? Yes, Tabney Dozier Enterprises. Uh, so you'll hear me say TDE for short. Okay. Um, and and so it's a, you know, an eloquent and effective media company that serves individuals uh, and brands by amplifying storytelling and improving communication skills. Wow, that's nice. Congratulations on that. Kudos, kudos. I see so many people um, transitioning up or out of, you know, kind of like the general newsroom. Do you have um, any thoughts on why you think that could be happening right now? Oh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I I got a lot of thoughts. Um, You know, for me, the the, the craft is being diluted by these corporations that want one person to do six different jobs, drive to the story, shoot the interview, come back, log and, and grab verbatim, put the piece together, edit it, and then present it on air. I just listed five people's positions uh, that they now call multimedia journalists for one person to do. And uh, the joy of storytelling in my mind is is being diluted uh, in that avenue. Some people enjoy being MMJs for short. Um, also, the entrance of of COVID and the the heightened of race uh, race relations, racial unrest. You know, we as as journalists, we're first responders without the pay, without the benefits, and without the respect. And to see so many friends working from home and taking vacations and doing their work elsewhere, and we are still, you know, that source of information. Um, it's taxi. It's taxi. Well, it must be heavy on the spirit as well. And then the pay has not gone up uh, to match. You know, now you want us to write our stories online. You want us to tweet and Facebook and Instagram. That's social media person. That's a digital creator. And all of that falling on one person's lap uh, has truly gotten to be too much for us. Yes. I think that is a common thing in communications as well. Like I found that so much in my time in like corporate and nonprofit that, you know, being like the public relations manager, I was essentially the whole entire communications department, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a communications thing. So, wow. Um, and that gives people like you, like me, opportunities to kind of um, branch out and expand and do more things and serve audiences that are not necessarily getting served. And so I love that, you know, that we kind of have that in common, kind of on like different ends of the spectrum, but still, you know, within communications. That's awesome. And I appreciate that breakdown of multimedia journalists at MMJ, because that's kind of a fairly new term. And I always ask people when they come on the show, like, what is your title and how do you describe what you do? Um, just because, you know, some of those positions are so loaded. And that was an excellent um, kind of breakdown of what the MMJ is. It'll help your audience, too, for when they do pitch to local news stations and you you see those titles, recognize that that's multifaceted. But, you know, that's sometimes a hindrance. It may be difficult for one person to execute all of the things required for storytelling. And then there's breaking news, right? We're at the mercy 
of, of I'm out in Reno, Nevada. So wildfires in the summer, uh, blizzards in the Sierras right now, uh, you know, news conferences, uh, the roads could be shut down. You know, we'll have a great community centered piece and then boom, breaking news will change that in a moment's notice. And, you know, that was another factor for me. I fought so hard for stories for people who look like me. And so I got tired of defending. I got tired of saying, well, it's Black History Month. Well, it's Women's History Month. Well, this matters. Well, people who look like me care. So you know what? Then let me just go out and do it on my own. Yes, I love that. Thank you for that. So we talked about news, and I know that you've had a substantial career um, as a news anchor and reporter. Um, What is a story that you've worked on that forever changed you? Oh, so I'm I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, but Louisville, Kentucky is about an hour apart. And that's the biggest city in the state that happens to be the home of the greatest baby. And I'm talking about Muhammad Ali and Muhammad Ali passed away in 2016. And I was working at the ABC affiliate in Louisville at the time of his passing. And um, that was the most monumental storytelling uh, of my career. You know, Louisville's homicide rates have been on the rise, uh, you know, for the last going on 10 years. There was eight days of no murders surrounding Ali's multiple services. Um, he It was an incredible thing to see where our airport was flooded with kings and queens and dignitaries from Middle Eastern countries because of his Muslim faith and activism. Then at the same time, you have Will and Jada and Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield and, and, and greats in in, uh, sports and movies and entertainment coming to honor this man. And he touched every corner of the planet and never forgot where uh, he was from. So we had learned from his family that he had started planning his homegoing services, you know, before the Parkinson's truly, truly gripped him. So we had landmarks and stops that his hearse drove along all throughout the city from his childhood home to one of the first boxing gyms. And Taisha, for me, um, recognizing someone who came from the bluegrass state but touched the world is still the most inspiring story and, and event that I've ever been a part of. Yeah, I got goosebumps just like listening to you. <laughs> just listening to you talk about that, like that, what, how incredible, like. <laughs> it was wow. And all positive from faith, from faith to, you know, community outreach, you know, let's clean up the West End, let's clean up downtown, let's get ready. You know, the, the world's eyes are on Louisville for the Kentucky Derby every first Saturday in May. Yeah. But in this aspect, it was beautiful to say, welcome to the champ's home and 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 look at how we treat each other. Look at how we treat visitors. So I just am so honored to have been a part of his services. Wow, that's amazing. All right. So here's another question. Who is someone who you've connected with through a story that you'll always remember? Oh, my goodness. Someone I've connected through a story. Um, well, and I remember again in Louisville, Louisville's the biggest market. I worked in Evansville, Indiana, mm-hmm. local Kentucky and Reno, Nevada. Uh, and there was a major fire in downtown Louisville that took out some historic uh, buildings. And there happened to be some condos and apartments. And this woman was trying to get a hold of her dog who was still in 
the the burning buildings at the bottom level. And so she was just standing on the corner, biting her nails, pacing. And the storyteller in me said, you know, not she's not just worried about material things. Something is going on. And I'm so glad to meet her because utilizing the power of the press, I was able to get to firefighters, get to the public information officer and say, send your crew to apartment X, Y, Z. They brought her dog out. We got it on camera. And to be, that's what I'm in this for, you know, to, to make a difference, to be a voice for those who may not be heard. And so I'm just really grateful to meet her. A tragic situation. No one was killed in the fires. But, you know, history was lost. But to be able to help her get reunited with her four-legged, you know, love, her four-legged child, uh, that's what I do this for. Yeah, that's amazing. I don't even think about, (laughs) sometimes I don't think about, like, (laughs) the impact, you know, from the storytelling and the connections that you have and the way that the media has the credibility, you know, over a regular citizen, you know, having something to say. And then having the TV channel come, you know, everybody listening, they're like, oh, okay, we're on it. We're on it. <laughs> and that was a beautiful way to use my voice for good. Yes. There's good and bad that can come with that power uh, that we have, but it's really responsibility. And that was a great way to utilize. It. Yes. All right. Here's a, listen, here's a risky question. Have you ever, has your safety ever been at risk because of a story that you've covered? Yes, it has. Multitude of times. And I, I would like to take this moment uh, to send love to Orlando, Florida, where um, a Spectrum news reporter was recently killed um, and and another one was critically injured. They were covering a homicide and the suspect came back to the scene. The news crew was there gathering information for its viewers and uh, those members were attacked. Uh, And so I just want to lift them up in in any way to the Spectrum realm. And it it affected us all. My group chats of reporter friends, we were very uneasy. Yes. Um, like I mentioned about us being first responders, we sometimes see people at their worst and they're not always happy to see these cameras. Uh, that was a, a big factor in in leaving uh, Louisville, Kentucky market. Uh, the management at the time was sending uh, men and women MMJs to homicides, to deadly car wrecks on the interstate. And uh, I was not comfortable. It didn't matter what side of town and what time of day. I need someone to watch my six. You know, sometimes that's not enough. We've seen that in Roanoke, Virginia, with the two that were killed, um, Adam and Allison Parker. I'll never forget their names. And so, yes, you know, sometimes people get the worst of news and we're at a distance. We're on the other side of the street, but they are not happy to see us. So I've I've had, unfortunately, uh, multiple instances where I've not felt safe. Yes. And that's part of why I asked that question, because I think sometimes people just really don't understand, like, the levels of, you know, that you guys put. People think, oh, it's so dangerous when they're out there in the hurricanes. And I'm like, no, my journalist friends are like at active shootings, you know? Yes. And and I, I don't know any, like, reporter or anchor in my circle that hasn't been at risk at some point in time. And it's just so fearful. And so, you know. Yeah, we do appreciate what you guys do. There's so many of us understand um, at what kind of risk that you are. And it's unfortunate what happened recently, but I think that people will see more. Mm-hmm. I agree. And having your platform to allow me to say, you know, I will never stop fighting for more protection for local news journalists that's on camera, behind the scenes, print, radio. Um, 
And and that is part of my pivot to leave that realm so I can speak louder for those who are in the trenches. We deserve more, more pay, hazard pay, more holiday, more PTO. We, you think about the height of COVID, everybody's going back and forth. They're arguing over articles. They're arguing over medical information. Where'd you get that from? You got those from journalists busting their butts. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I was grocery shopping with gloves on. I'm so scared. You know, we are regular people. We didn't know what this was. We were still going to work. So any chance I can get to tell people, thank your local crews, you know, think of them, uh, be kind to them and, and look out for them too. Cause not a lot, not enough people are. That's, that's true. And I like how you um, phrase it as, you know, that you all are first responders. I'm going to always keep that in my vocabulary because I've always felt that way. I just didn't know how to really articulate it. Yeah. And you're, you're excellent at like articulating my thoughts. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, and you know, 9-11, that's the one, right? You think about a leaks and fire running towards those buildings. I do not at all take away from the paramedics and the troop people who run into burning buildings. Yeah. But guess who was right behind them? News crews, mm-hmm. news crews, and breathing yeah. in all, all those, you know, uh, the, the dust and the debris, you know, we truly are. Um, not being with your families. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Thank you for that. And part of what I like to do, um, part of why I wanted to do this podcast is because I want to humanize people in the media more. Um, because as a publicist, you know, I've always been close to media. But even like back in the day, 10, 15 years ago, you know, even I couldn't be but so close. But you all are so accessible now. And what I try to let people know is that journalists are real people. You know how like kids feel like their teachers like are only at school and live at school. And they see them in the grocery store. They're like, what? <laughs> I feel like people are like that kind of with media people. Like you're on TV, you're in your little box, in your space. And like, that's it. Or if they, you know, want to email you. It's always this little formal robotic kind of thing. And people are like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, well, what would you email like anybody else? Yeah. Say that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, bringing, you know, bringing you guys on and just kind of talking, letting them know that you're regular people. Lots of you are entrepreneurs, just like us, like me and my audience. And so, you know, I, I just want to bridge that gap. Yes. And I'm happy to do the same. We're at the same grocery stores. We're at this, we take our, our kids to the same parks. We, you know what I'm saying? We, we -hmm. suffer loss and grief and pain. We, we, we catch COVID. We, people do a lot, members of the public do elevate us. And it is, you know, I have immense gratitude for that, but it it, it sometimes eliminates the space to feel for us. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of people say, wow, I didn't even think about uh, how hard it must be for you to come. I mean, Breonna Taylor specifically, you know, being from right next door to mm-hmm. Louisville. That's where I moved before I went to the other side of the country. And and that really, really, you know, every unarmed black case, you know, uh, that looks like my brother, that looks like my mother, that looks like my father, that looks like me. And some people have said, I didn't think about that. Or when we cover mass shootings, right? I, I called out of work, if I may, on uh, right after Uvalde happened near mm-hmm. May of 2022 I could not discuss 19 children not making it home mm-hmm. you know being slaughtered in classrooms we feel we grieve we breathe just yes. like yes absolutely kudos to you all and thank you for all that you do and the way that you serve the public um 
All right. We're going to lighten up a little bit for okay. our I'm sorry to dig the delay. I'm sensitive. I'm a nerd. I'll be sensitive. Woo. <laughs> Yes, but but it really is that deep. And, you know, these things we definitely need to talk about. And I'm so glad that, you know, you're here to talk about those. Thank you for that moment and that time from Ali to now to be able to, you know, speak on some of the heaviness and, and the realness. Thank you for the service. Great. So we are going to switch the conversation a little bit and start to talk about um, the areas that go into like pitching. So you've uh, done dozens of stories. In your opinion, what makes a story newsworthy? Yes. Uh, so if you're pitching for the local level, then it is, you know, it's impact to the community that you're in, you know. So would someone in the rural part of your viewing area benefit from knowing this along with someone in, in the city component of your um, area? Is there a call to action? How can people help? Uh, do you need volunteers? You know, do you need cash? Do you need an employees for your nonprofit or or whatever the case may be. Uh, but broad appeal, broad impact are two of the biggest in terms of uh, newsrooms accepting pitches and being able to pursue it with uh, an actual reporter on the story or even just getting a mention that the anchors read uh, on air or getting it online on the web. Okay. Um, and so my next question is about sources for the media. Um, when you were working and even now, as a journalist, how do you find sources, you know, for a story idea or for a quote or for some type of expertise? Do you use sources? How does that work for you? Yes. Uh, in the journalistic realm, as far as local news and my background, the, I came up during the digital age. So it was wonderful to have social media grow to where you have Facebook groups for specific communities or moms of Louisville or farmers of Nevada, you know, whatever it is. So I loved to join those and just keep my notifications so that I can browse and say there might be a cause that some neighbors are discussing, but we could help amplify it or help solve their problems or if it's a series of break-in, car break-ins or something like that. Um, so I, I, I dig. You know, I dig. I joined those kind of community organizations, uh, volunteering, always keeping business cards. They've, they've kind of migrated digitally, but between yeah. the QR code or the physical card, you you might be sitting in the hair salon, getting your hair done on your or your haircut, and hear a story idea. You know, so having your ears open uh, is really big, too, in terms of what does your community need uh, and how can you help. Nice, nice. So say, for instance, you're in a Facebook group and you're looking for a source for a story and everybody's talking about this one topic. How do you decide out of those people who are talking who you want to reach out to? What are you looking for? I'm, I'm going to their profile um, because nowadays we can get caught up as journalists by just, you know, grabbing the first thing or people rush to be first rather than correct. Oh, I cite it. It's the old fashioned of how we were taught who, what, where, when, why, and how. So if it's, if it's via social media, I'm checking their profile. If I can see it, is there a lot of propaganda? Is there a lot of, you know, uh, things that don't align with the fact telling background that I have, you know, in terms of truth and facts. Um, and I'll go that route and I'll go a little deeper. Um, or if someone says, hey, I'm an elementary school teacher. Uh, well, OK, I, I'm probably going to uh, go that route more so than, well, I heard, well, I heard, well, I heard. 
you know, hearsay gets us in trouble big time. Right. So you would go for leaning more towards someone who was credentialed in a way than someone who may not be. Agreed. Uh, and then you would send out like their social media, the other kinds of conversations that they're having. Yeah. Like photos, videos, the kind of things that they post. I will go that route. And if they have, you know, workplace, if they have where they work and that, that adds another level of validity uh, to it. If they're involved in community organizations uh, and they, they're of service, uh, if they're, you know, of course, first responders are in there too. They're human as well. So I definitely got to shout them out so that you go on and see, oh, they're a member of the volunteer fire department. Okay. Yeah. Let me, let me reach out to them, you know, or we as a, whatever news entity may already have a relationship with their business or nonprofit. So I will introduce myself that way to, to verify my validity as well. Um, And so we've worked with you in the past or, Hey, I saw some great posts or I saw some concerning posts. And then, you know, we're a really good judge of character. We can sniff it out. So I'm going to try to get you on the phone. I'm going to try to get you on the phone and talk to you more. So I don't just judge off your social media and I can, uh, you know, grab you on the phone and talk a little more about you. We get that feeling in our gut that anyone has, which is intuition. Uh, yeah. but as journalists, we could be sued. You know, our word is truly our bond. So I'm going to do my best to get you on the phone or talk to you before we record. Make sure we're in alignment you know, uh, with the conversation, with the facts that they're presenting so that both entities are represented fairly. Yes. Nice. Nice. Thank you for that. Um, so do you, uh, prefer that people come to you with story ideas or you rather come up with your own story ideas? Um, do you accept pitches? Like how, how is that for you? Some people like it. Some people don't. It really seems like it's just based on the journalist, but I would like your insight on like, entrepreneurs, experts, organizations, you know, kind of pitching stories or ideas. Yeah, I don't mind. I, I, I'm a combination of both. I love when a viewer would tell me, did you know about this? No. You know, just like police can't be in every every street corner, neither can journalists. So I appreciate people because that means they trust me mm-hmm. to say, hey, are you aware of this? Um, but of, of course, uh, we call, you know, just pitching ourselves as journalists. Um, I like to come up with story ideas and I came up in, in between WKU and the beginning stages of my career where it was a requirement to have something that was not a press release, that was not sent to the station, that we generated on our own. And I really appreciate that for continuing to help the wheels turn as I pitch companies and pitch corporations uh, in this entrepreneurial realm with TDE. So both. Yeah. Okay. All right. Nice. Um, do you have any advice on people who are pitching? So most people who do like cold pitching, they pitch via email, right? So it's like the the abyss, it, even for me, right? You might get an answer, you might not. Um, what is your feeling on like follow-up? Yes, um, I'm gonna say read the room. You know, yeah. like if 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 we are in the thick of wildfire season and, you know, like 2021, it's called the Caldor Fire. It was heading towards South Lake Tahoe and actual communities. Please do not follow up with me three times about your ribbon cutting. Baby, we're not getting to. Right. <laughs> right. You know, I understand that. But like have some awareness uh, in that sense. Also, a lot of, you know, entities are self-fulfilling. So it kind of comes off as a commercial. So make sure that there is an appeal to a variety of viewers from 16 to 76. Yeah. You know, 
Um, those two are really, really important. Having some awareness of, of what's going on in your community before you, hey, following back up, tap near, hey, did you see this? You know, I really appreciate when people are like, I know you're probably not going to make it today because, you know, there's another blizzard up in Tahoe. Right. I'm just sending it if, if you're able to get it online for us. That kind of consideration for just recognizing the uh, the hierarchy of, of what's the most important to our viewers. Right. Is, yes. Appreciate it. But don't be afraid to say, gosh, this would be so great for viewers. Anyone who is an entrepreneur or someone who is taking care of their elderly spouse or parent, you know, put those reasons why we should care in there. Uh, right. that's very helpful to do. Yeah. I tell people, I say, you know, sometimes I don't follow up at all because I'm like, listen, you got it. <laughs> you go holler at me. If not, you won't, you know. But that just comes from years of experience and like thick skin with it. Um, but some people like to follow up, and I like to, I tell people like once, one follow up, like I one agree. reminder. If you don't get it after that reminder, like just let it go. Yeah, and some people have been really appreciative to say, "Oh my gosh, this got buried. Thank you." I like to do that, placing a little higher in your inbox. Yes. You know, five to seven days later, and they're like, yes. "Oh my gosh, thank you so much." Or I was out of town, so it, you know, I got your out of the office, and I just kept moving. So I think a follow-up is absolutely appropriate. Yeah, but maybe just like once. Correct. And I find that a lot of journalists um, who ask this question, they get the emails. And sometimes if it's it's not a no, it's a not now, but I'll save this, <laughs> you know, or some of them just don't delete things. And when they're working on something later or they think about it, they'll just like search their inbox you know, for like a term or like the topic or whatever. And if yours comes up, it's still in there that you could, you know, still get the contact. So I tell people like, give it like a good 90 days, like a little media cycle, because a lot of times, you know, people will circle back, Um, you know. It's election season and they can't breathe because they're busy with elections. That doesn't mean come the holiday time that, like you said, they put it in that folder, save for later or check back in a month. Uh, so you're right. You, you can't get discouraged when pitching. Uh, because it, it really is so fluid. Let me ask you about this. Oh, I'm so super glad because you were in news um in the newsroom. The phone in an I've never called a newsroom like, hey, I got a news tip. I've never done that. Who answers that phone and what really happens? Oh, <laughs> with the news tip. Yeah, it's a combination. You know, uh, in Louisville, we had an actual dedicated assignment desk that would fill with all those. Um, in Reno, being a smaller market, I could answer the phone. The four o'clock producer could answer the phone. The web uh, producer could answer the phone. Uh, our, the normal systems, I would say, that are pretty standard are that we do take it down. We take down name, information. Okay, we may send this to the reporter email. Okay, we have to talk to our bosses by this. Or if I pick up the phone and I'm feeling it, tell me more. Okay, well, when are you free? So it's a combination. Like I mentioned, with the dwindling resources now, it is usually a journalist who is going on air or producing. A photographer might be coming back from lunch. Right. So, yeah. It's so easy. Oh, newsroom phone is still a thing. It still is, girl. It's it is. Thing. Wow. I usually just like call directly, you know, because I usually have the access wow. to be able to call directly. But in my career, I've never called the news tip phone like, <laughs> oh, it's the cutest when you get the elderly folks because they are not gonna—they are not gonna deal with social media 
and they will call to get help looking up something or how do I watch that story that I just so we got to keep the folds going for them not everybody that's who I feel that is for and that's I've just like never called <laughs> email or DM if you're savvy go right ahead that route but we still got the phones in use <laughs> yeah good so I'm glad that she talked about like DM so um what social media um platforms do you like hang out on so i like for for information twitter still is where we could go to the scene and we could just start a thread this road is closed police tell me this i just got new information i'll be live at six o'clock that is seamless and so quick and uh especially if there's an emergency or you know when mask mandates and all of those things were going on so i like twitter for that and facebook um, but also professionally, LinkedIn is fantastic and Instagram has gotten more popular. I personally don't go to Instagram for information. I'm going to go to an entities, um, whether local or national, I'm going to go to their Facebook or, uh, their Twitter. Do you accept pitches like via DM or do you prefer people email you? I have I get a different answer from like every person. <laughs> sure. I, I'm an email person because like, you know, we have the station calendar. Can we fit that in? Can we cover who's assigned to this? So if they send me something in DMs, I will say, boom, email me. So I can mm -hmm. pull it up on my laptop, look at, you know, the schedule or whatever. Uh, but I don't mind DMs. But it's just so much easier. Or if I say, you know what, this is really good for the morning show. They actually do live interviews on set this sounds more in that realm let's email me this so i could pass it to the morning team you know so i do prefer that way still to reach a multitude of people within the newsroom if it's not something i can do then i'll pass it in that realm so i'm open to both but email really is is the best or you've got some videos from the scene of an accident and i need to get those to the editor to get them on air or to tell the anchor or to tell the producer, hey, this viewer was there, but, you know, whatever the case, right? So that's really helpful to just have it on that to to uh, go within the newsroom systems and structures that we yes. have. Yes, yes. So my last guest was like, don't email me. My email is full. Both of them DM me. <laughs> so it is always so it's very specific um, to the to the person that you're working with, where at one time, like to to DM um, a journalist was like a definite no, like. <laughs> and what you see how people feel about, should I email? They were definitely like, I don't think I can DM or go into to their direct messages. I think I need to call or, or what's your, some people DM and say, what's your email? Because they still don't feel comfortable. That's me. <laughs> right as far as to each his own. Uh, we've got a lot more convenient now and I've gotten good pitches and gotten good. Do you know about this? Well, I'm off on weekends, but let me pass this on to the weekend anchor. No problem. So, you know, as long as the information's getting to the, you know, getting to the sources. Yeah, that was another question that I like to ask. You know, do you pass on information if something is not a good fit for you or it's misdirected? Do you send it to the right person? So you kind of answer that. And so, mm -hmm. and your phone that as well. Yeah, well, if I'm anchoring and I can't really do as many packages, maybe I'm anchoring and producing, which was the case, having a multitude of, responsibilities i'll say let me send this to reporters to see if someone else can do it maybe i'm not able to leave the building you know with my responsibilities so yes i absolutely will 
Um, or like I said, if it's a live interview and a featurey thing, you know, and the 10 o'clock is more serious, I'm going to pass it to the morning and midday. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so this is another question I like to ask, and I feel like over time this has changed as well. But oftentimes, like, there'll be um, like an anchor like you that who would do a story and a person wants to do something to thank you. And there's a whole, you know, taboo thing about like gifts and things with the media. Um, what is your take on that? And um, yeah, what is your take on that? Like gifts, that gray area, like you can't send a gift card, but you can send a fruit basket, but it has to be for everybody and not the one person. So can you talk about that? Yeah, because, you know, I'm from the South. So as you know, you Tennessee, I'm right next door, Kentucky. So we, we, we make sweet, you know, make sweet tea and we make pies for folk, you know? So because of that hospitable upbringing for me, I respect someone. Maybe that's their love language, right? Gift giving. So, but we do have to be careful. We really do. So a lot of times I'll say, oh, I'm not able or yeah, you know, donuts for everyone, for the whole team. Well, thank you. Thank you. But we do, you know, the FCC is the governing body for local agencies, um, TV, print, radio. So we have to be careful about accepting things because you don't, wanted to sway and oh they got coverage because they gave a gift card or because they gave food so I'm in that realm of respecting people's kindness and generosity but making sure that the the, the laws are are followed those terms your viewers can look up payola and plugola are the two terms that FCC you know we could get in trouble Yes. And I started out in radio. And so that was always a thing. People were always sending things to the radio station. And I'm like, can I eat this or not? Or like, what are we doing? <laughs> it was always kind of like, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. We got to be careful to keep our integrity intact, you know? Right. Yes. Um, What overall advice would you give to someone who wants to earn media, like be on the news, be featured? Do your research. You know, if you're going to go, there's those general emails for the entire news station or send your press releases here. Um, but when you go and look at a specific journalist under those contact us or meet the team, do your research, read their bio. What's their interest? Oh, they say they like horseback riding and basketball and and pickleball. You know, maybe that's who this route can go to. Or she's a mother of three and lived in the same state you did or went to the same college you went to or that your parents went to. Do your research. It really makes a difference. Do not send an investigative journalist a ribbon cutting for a new nonprofit. You know, you want to find a general assignment or yeah. someone who specializes in features or community impact. Take that time to 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 do your research yes i would say that's the number one thing that everyone always says you know they don't like those misdirected pitches like look and see what i talk about <laughs> or look and see if i even still do this <laughs> what now if i'm hosting a morning lifestyle show and you've got an investigative piece about you know discrimination in the workplace oh i'm not the right i'm not the right journalist because i'm right the avenues uh, of journalism within an entity so, yeah, it's important to look that. Otherwise, it's going to go unnoticed or unanswered. Yes. Awesome. So I have my wrap up question. 
And normally I just ask this question, you give an answer. But because I know that you've been recently featured in Forbes, <laughs> the normal question is, um, if you could be featured by any media outlet, you know, what would it be and what would the headline be? But listen, Forbes, I love Forbes here. Let's talk about your Forbes feature. We're talking about that. Oh man, thank you so much. Um, it, it's a it's a beautiful honor to be, and it was Forbes the culture. So what are Forbes talking about? about? The culture. Let me correct that. Forbes the culture, because that's important. <laughs> <laughs> that's different. Oh my god, it was huge. And so the topic, girl, was this hair relaxers and all these lawsuits coming out about the chemicals and things like that. Uh, 10 years ago, I would not have felt comfortable uh, discussing that. The, uh, the really it's, you know, white society standards of beauty as, as I was told in college, make sure your hair is fine and maintain baby. That's not how it grows out my head. Yes. That's not how it grows out my head, but I did not feel supported. I did not feel confident to wear locks to wear cornrows to wear a fro on air i I used relaxers all the way until i moved to reno 2018 because reno has a small black population under five percent so i didn't know any hairstylists Mm. so i accidentally went natural because i got a unit a custom unit you know fit to the circumference of my head and um a nice looking wig and so my hair was always braided or twisted under and I just grew my relaxer out that way. So to be able to, you know, be featured on that national platform to tell younger Tabney, rock yes. your crown, baby, rock your crown. Um, it was also, you know, a, a, a nod because who knows what my mom went through in the 90s raising yes. a black baby girl, you yes. know? Yes. So, and I'm sure with her being a single mom, it was easier to have my hair straightened and, and you know, I was a time. Yeah. So I understand that, but I also know in this country, she was not supported in having, you know, her daughter's hair be natural or my mother's hair be natural. Yes. It was incredible to have a black reporter interview my black self about my black hair and my black journey and journalism, um, an honor, a privilege and a responsibility because the honey, the girls on TV now baby giving it right i love it i love it in the guys too oh, yes, rest. yes with the crows and the boxes and the bears i'm like yes it, it is so flawless and i love to see it yes. um and for them to have the wherewithal knowing that they are still getting criticized because i'm in groups where yes. they are or viewers calling them unprofessional and all that stuff um but to be able to talk to little tabney you know, uh, it, with that feature for Forbes Culture, uh, yes. I'm so grateful. Yes, and little Taisha's also. So when I started in corporate in PR, I was, um, my hair was natural. I had a really bad haircut, like a haircut go wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I called myself growing it back out with a wig grew. I was like, is this me? I hadn't seen my natural hair since I was probably like 11 or 12. Because, you know, I was like, I need a relaxer. Like, where's my relaxer? You know, and I love the texture of my hair. I was like, man, is this And so I was like, I'm keeping this. And so I would, I was wearing wigs to work that people thought was my hair. And I had my e-wig and my mm-hmm. i-wig. My e-wig was my emergency wig. Like if my hair was not acting right, yes. <laughs> I just put on my e-wig, which look, kind of looked like my regular hair. 
then I had my eye wig, which was my interview wig with a media was coming or I had to do some kind of press conference or anything and I needed to, you know, nice and camped and refresh you off. That was my eye wig and I kept them in my trunk. And then I was telling my mom about it. She was like, that's crazy. I'm sorry that you even have to do that. And then I was like, I'm sorry that I even have to do this too. I'm sorry. If we, we're not even that far removed from that area where like we were nervous about that. So every time I see people on TV, especially in the media, doing a blackity black thing. I'm like, yes, I love it. I'm so excited and I'm so grateful that they are, and more of us are taking a stand. I, you know, give us grace for our upbringing within our careers that we did go the safer route or we did go what was taught to us, uh, but we're shedding and, and busting down all those ceilings and restrictions and white supremacy because let's keep it real at what it is. Uh, this is how it grows out of our heads. We should be able to to wear it. And to, does my crown offend you? You know, that's focus on what I'm telling you. You know, fo- as a journalist, stop talking about my hair and my looks and this, that, and third. Are you listening to the information? Because in my mind, I'm keeping you safe and protected. Right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um. So what are you working on with TDE that we can help you with? Um, how can we promote you? What can we do to support you? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for asking. So the, the realms that I'm utilizing my journalistic expertise are event planning and hosting, you know, news anchors get asked to do uh, fashion shows and fundraisers. So I just have gotten a love for the mic outside of the studio while I was in the studio. So I'm, uh, that's an avenue of my business, press release distribution. I don't want to be pigeonholed into PR but it's unavoidable to speak on my experience of what it takes to get a press release into the right eyes in a newsroom. So I help agencies in that realm and then I pass it off to them, you know, okay, here's the reporter. Y'all take it from here. Right. Um, And then I'm doing public speaking training. So whether you're going on camera or if you are going in for public office or you just represent a company at conventions, people have a, fear of public speaking a lot of people do so i can help ease that and then the storytelling whether it's written and visual um so it costs nothing to share you know on instagram keeping tabs with tabney is my handle uh but i'm in a space where okay beautiful beginning now it's time to start offloading and 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 you know bringing in some freelancers i want to help interns so if anyone's in underground like we said little taisha little tabney we have to share our cheat codes, girl, yes. and get forward. Yes. Make it a quicker start than we did. Yes. So I'm I'm open to mentoring, consulting, a creative direction. Maybe you just have a story and you have a great idea, but you need some help to 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 zero it in. That's what we do as reporters every day. You know, we take a 25 minute interview and concise that, and you know, make it into a concise delivery. So uh, to anyone who is listening that is an undergrad or grad. I want to help, you know, if you need an interview subject, you want to talk to me or whatever, I always will make space. Um, but referring me, you know, as an Emmy yeah. journalist, a lot of these small Say it again. Emmy Awards winning. We're oh. winning. Okay. I saw your pictures with your. Yes. With the hardware, baby. I love it. <laughs> and may I say really quick, I won my Emmy in 2020. Whoa. It came in the mail and it was virtual okay it was june 2020 and so baby you see those pictures that is a delayed celebration because 
you know, I wanted, you know, watching it virtually with my coworkers at the time. And I didn't get that awards and that fancy schmancy and that, oh, oh baby, we, we spun the block and we took pictures and fall in 2012. That's right. <laughs> that would end too. I'd have had a whole gown on. <laughs> okay. I don't care what time of year, baby, you're going to see this NBC, this dress, um, to, to really celebrate myself. But yeah, so interns, freelancers, uh, who are just looking to partner or, or want their business elevated, but can't afford a $5,000, uh, marketing company, come holler at TDE. I'm happy to help. Okay. Fantastic. And one last thing, I'm gonna let you go ahead and shout out your source. Cause I'm a Zeta. What's up? Okay. Yes. So go ahead and get it in. <laughs> Thank you for letting me shout out the beautiful, devastating divas of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. I don't <laughs> <laughs> <Or> Greek love. <laughs> we'll get Greek love. And we're all like, good girlfriends with that. My gosh, <laughs> I just, and I knew I loved you. And also I'm a Capricorn, you're a Virgo. So we're earth signs. So we're very grounded. We're very, you know, goal oriented individuals. So I just have felt your spirit. Not just Spanish. Oh, I didn't tell everybody before we got on, I was like, listen, I looked you up where I'm keeping you. You going to be my yes. friend. <laughs> I've already decided we're friends. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such a great interview. Like we've been serious, you know, we've been business, we've been laughing. And so this is so fun. And I feel like this interview is really capturing the essence of how I want on the Media Circus podcast to go. So I thank you so much for being our guest. And we are going to stay in contact with you and support you um, in any way that we can. Well, thank you. Thank you to your awesome viewers. And thank you for what you're doing. If I had a Taisha in my space 10 to 12 years ago, um, I can't imagine just the the added experience and guidance that, you know, my career would have had. And so what you're doing and providing a network, providing a safe space, your work is so important. So I send the love and flowers right back to you, sis. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You guys, this has been the Media Circus Podcast with Taisha Bradley, celebrity publicist, and Tabney Dozier. Make sure that you follow and share the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for listening.